Welcome to the interview chair. My name is Jimmy Casas and I am your host. Are you an educator who is currently feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, or wondering if you can continue to do this work? Visualize yourself back in the interview chair. You are genuine, sincere, and full of passion. You convinced the group of people that you were the best person for the job and you believed it. That is the real you. Thank you for joining me as I take you back to the interview chair to remind you of why you wanted to become an educator. Welcome to episode 35 of the interview chair, our return on rules. I will admit as I get older, I'm a little more conservative regarding my investments. Whether I am looking at stocks or mutual funds or real estate or a plethora of other options as it pertains to my portfolio, one thing I never sway from studying is the ROI, my return on investment. The ROI is the measure of an investment's profitability and often the final piece that must meet my standards before I decide to go all in. So this leads me to my question today. Is the ROI on some school rules resulting in a profitable investment for us or are we headed down a path where the cost outweighs our initial investment, specifically our costs when it comes to staffing and resources or money and time? As we look back and try to remember what it was like to be a student, let's not forget the obstacles beyond our students' academic struggles. Many of them, maybe even most in certain schools, face challenges much greater than overcoming their fear of writing or completing an assignment or even taking an exam. There is a luxury many of our children who grow up in privilege take for granted, that an adult will be there to get them up, lay their clothes out, prepare their breakfast, pack their lunch, and help them gather the things before driving them to school or getting them to their bus on time. These students can have their issues too, but I want to talk about the daily challenges many of our students without these supports face. Often, we are tempted to point the finger at students for failing to live up to our expectations. Take, for instance, the issue of tardiness. Every day in schools across our country, students arrive later than they are expected to class, and we have labeled these infractions as tardies. As far back as I can recall, tardiness has been an ongoing issue in schools. In fact, I would argue that the biggest infractions regarding school discipline fall in the attendance and tardy arena. Tens of thousands of students fail to comply with their educators' expectations every day. Have you ever reached a point with a student where tardiness made you angry, but when you learned the full story, it broke your heart? We must remember that compliant behavior isn't the full measure of a student. From the point of a view of compliance, a student who lacks the support of an adult at home to get to school on time is a problem. Tardiness is seen as an outcome. But if instead that tardiness is a starting point for our empathy, we can see an opportunity to invest in improving outcomes, not just for that student's day or school career, but for the entire school. When we pause, listen, and understand explanations, rather than dismiss excuses, we may learn that there are bigger issues to deal with. In fact, most of what we give our attention to in school seems to have to do with school rules. 
I wonder what our return on rules is. Now, I would argue that we put more effort into enforcing school rules than we do to the academic, creative, and social-emotional well-being of our students, and even staff for that matter. However, I think it's clear that there's a greater return on an investment in our students' well-being. Of course, tardiness is a problem. No one is saying that. But the question is this, how can we address issues of attendance in a way that improves student morale? Our school culture will improve when we change our approach, especially our comments and our responses to student attendance and tardiness from one of compliance to one of investment. Consider the following suggestions for when anyone, student or staff, is late. Number one, never make assumptions about why someone is late. Two, don't use sarcasm with someone who arrives late. Three, don't address tardiness in that moment. Find out why an individual is late later in private. And four, consult others privately to discuss measures to help with underlying issues. The way we talk to our students in the moment is pivotal for changing the culture around timeline, timeliness excuse me, in our schools. What if we place old responses with new language? Where have you been could be replaced with, I am glad you are here. Where were you yesterday? Perhaps we should say, I missed you yesterday. Instead of saying, I didn't know if you were coming back, what if we said, I am glad you are back? And finally, you've missed so much school. I was beginning to worry about you. We know one thing for sure. What we have been doing for years isn't working. There's no rule or regulation, detention, consequence, punishment, or even suspension that is going to consistently keep kids from being late, skipping school, or missing deadlines. There's a greater potential for impact in cultivating personal, sincere, and empathetic relationships with students who face real struggles. If we do that, we can find solutions and assist our students. I want to take you back to the interview chair just for a moment. Imagine being asked how you would manage a student who was chronically tardy to your class or who wasn't coming to class at all. I believe most of us would have taken the time and stated things along how we would build relationships with the students, that we would reach out to any adult in the school who perhaps might have a relationship with that student, or reach out to a family member and partner with them to try to understand what we could do to help support that family in getting their child to school. I don't recall anyone in an interview chair talking about consequences or talking about punishment or talking about frustration or talking about quitting. It's a reminder again how important it is, especially now that we are starting the month of October, that our staff has been going at it for quite some time now. We are tired, perhaps frustrated, hitting a wall perhaps and needing that desperate break. It's in this time more than ever that we must be intentional and in going back to the interview chair to remind ourselves who we want to be so we can bring our best selves to school every day because we know this for a fact, my friends. These issues are not going to go away, but how we manage them will determine whether or not our relationships with our students and our colleagues is one of positivity or one of frustration. It is the joy of the work 
to build relationships, to understand why people behave the way they behave in order for us to get a better result. When we come together as a team or as an entire staff and begin to address issues with kindness and without judgment rather than an attitude of dealing with students, we have a better chance of influencing behavior in a positive way. I'd like to contemplate what would happen if we spent as much time addressing tardiness among the adults in schools as we do for students. Just for a moment, think about all the times adults are late. Now here's a quick rundown that adults can be late for. I've seen adults be late for school, school, for class. We've been late for meetings. We turn in our paperwork late. Sometimes we turn our grades in late. Supervision duty. We've been late for recess duty, completing our surveys. And heck, I'm myself included, meeting deadlines. You get the point, right? Believe me, I've heard it all before. But we are professional adults, Jimmy, and sometimes things come up that cause us to be late. So why doesn't that excuse hold water coming out of a student's mouth? It's hypocrisy at its finest. And yet we still spend so much time and energy trying to figure out how to punish students for being late for school, for class, for submitting assignments, meeting deadlines, completing homework, and even dressing for PE. Whether we are addressing promptness or trying to regulate food or drinks, or drink rules, I should say, in classrooms or libraries or auditoriums, which makes me laugh because I spent a lot of times in auditorium speaking. And yes, we, the adults, walk right into an auditorium with signs posted everywhere. Please, no food or drink in the auditorium. And look at how many times we as adults violate those same rules that we get so frustrated when students do the same. It's as though we have forgotten what it feels like to be a child or a teenager or a young adult in a world that to them does not seem fair with all its, I'll just say it, dumb rules and worse, those adults who go around making a big deal out of nothing. Often we hold our students to higher standards than we hold ourselves. And as a result, we come across sometimes as out of touch when we want the consequences for their violations to be enforced and ours ignored. My friends, it is time to recalibrate. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, and I hope that you will join me each week as I take you back to the interview chair. Because I know this, that when you sat in that interview chair, that, my friends, was the best version of you. Be sure to check out my website at jimmycostas.com backslash the interview chair for links, resources, and show notes. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Casas underscore Jimmy. If you enjoyed today's show from the interview chair, subscribe to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts to ensure you never miss an episode.